My name is Tony Litt. I'm the MD of Sunrise Radio, and it's my immense pleasure to bring you the official Sunrise Radio podcast. We are the number one commercial Asian station in the United Kingdom, with many firsts to our name, and we continue to be the voice of British Asians who have given us their love and loyalty over 30 years. It's a legacy we cherish and a responsibility that we don't take lightly. Our aim has always been to entertain the listeners with the best of Bollywood and Bangra while also addressing their concerns. A real voice for the community, a vibrant community and a great nation. We are proud to be British and Asian. This podcast is a compilation of some of the things we do on the station with a stellar lineup of presenters who each have their own personality and style. It's entertaining, informative, engaging, and we hope you will enjoy it here as a podcast if you are unable to tune in to the radio. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your family and friends about this podcast and do leave us a comment on what you think. We'd love to hear from you. All the best always. Team Sunrise. This is Anushka Arora. As always, lovely to have your company for the Sunrise Radio podcast. And this week, I have another special guest on the show. Over to Arman Malik then. And here we are as he speaks about his uh, latest international humongous collaboration, Echo. Uh, his favourite K-pop artist and also collaborating with his brother, Amal, again. Hello. Hello, how are you? All good, how are you doing? I'm good, what's happening? Bus, just busy, now with the new release and then new songs coming out soon. Yay, <laughs> this is what we love to hear. Finally. How's, yeah, finally. First, Arman, let's talk about lockdown. I mean, this is, uh, it's been quite a tough one, I think, this time round. Yeah, this second wave has been really, really messed up, um, you know, for everyone. Uh, we really didn't expect, uh, I mean, we all expected a second wave to come. We didn't expect it to be so bad for India. Mm. Uh, musicians, the industry, everyone's hit really badly. So um, just any kind of work coming out, any song coming out is like a blessing right now. So yeah. I'm really hopeful, uh, but uh, obviously we are taking it slow and trying to ease back into normalcy. Of course. And talking of new songs, Arman, let's talk about Echo. Humongous song, humongous response. Tell me first how it all came about. Well, this is a this is my first international collaboration. I remember talking to you about it uh, yeah. a, a long time back. I never revealed who what 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 it was, but uh, we, we finally We've finally seen the day when international <laughs> collaboration has come to life. Uh, this is a very unique collaboration. Uh, it was incepted a year back, mm. uh, but uh, you know, putting it together has almost taken uh, nine to ten months uh, because three artists, three Asian artists from different parts of the world, uh, you know, came together, and we were coordinating everyone's time, mm. time zones, and w- whatnot mm. uh, to make this happen. Uh, but it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful collaboration, especially because I and all the other artists have amazing chemistry and mutual admiration for each other. I think that's when a collaboration 
actually works and and looks and feels and sounds genuine. I absolutely. So, uh, I mean, it's got that very international feel to it as well. I mean, obviously I've heard it a lot, but again, I was listening to it on my way in to the studio and I was like this just is it sounds uh unreal, you know. Uh, but but tell Would me. Would you expect me to sing Hua Hai anywhere <laughs> and then sing this song? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, like I've always said to you, Arman, you you never fail to surprise us and you you're the gift that keeps on giving. The amazing thing is is that all your songs just get bigger and bigger and bigger and every time I think okay he can't do anything bigger than this now come on it's like you always <laughs> just drop it you're just like actually you know what here you go <laughs> that's my thing i i always love surprising everyone all my listeners i i i don't open all my cards at once i i have like different cards for different phases and different songs uh but i'm super excited about this record especially because uh you know uh, it was the month of may when it released and the month of may is when uh we celebrate asian artists and uh, mm-hmm. asian culture all around the world so three mm-hmm. asians coming together on one song was really something that uh, you know a truly proud moment for all of us mm-hmm. and also as 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 an indian musician uh this has never happened i mean an indian pop and a kpop kind of a collab with EDM, you know, Kashmir adding his uh, uh, magic to it. I think yeah. it's the first time something like this has happened. Yeah, I was going to say actually because Eric is obviously of Korean descent, but and yeah. we know like these K-dramas, K-pop is just like on a completely different level. Do you have any any favorites in terms of K-pop? I mean, uh there are so many bands and so many uh, solo acts right now from K-pop that are just killing it. I mean, yeah. BTS is smashing it globally yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, my personal favorite actually is EXO. Uh-huh. Um, I've been following them for quite some time now, and uh, I I really love everything that they put out. Uh, BTS is amazing as well. I love their music, yeah. especially uh, the Indi- uh, the English music that they're putting out now, like Dynamite and stuff. That is very cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I think K-pop is really having its moment globally, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel now it's time for India to kind of have its global moment, and I feel like it's just begun. Uh, uh, probably Echo could be one of the first starting points for this movement to happen. So oh, I really absolutely. hope it is. I mean, you're right. I think it is about time that Indian pop music had its own wave globally. I think that is where it's heading. And kudos to you for for starting it out. And hopefully, this is not going to be the end. What I find really amazing about you is that you do different things. You always like, you know, you have your Bollywood stuff, then you have your Indian pop stuff, and now you've given this. Who would have thought? I never saw this coming. But in a way, I feel like you know it makes sense that you did it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've always envisioned myself as as a global, uh, you know, pop singer. And uh, I mean, I, I I don't like being slot slotted into like one box. That's not my thing. Mm. I've always wanted to uh, you know do different things. And because I know that I'm uh, I, I I'm like a musical chameleon inside mm. of me. I, I love like trying different things and like blending. So I mean, I do Telugu songs, Tamil songs, yeah. and all the South Indian stuff, and yeah. Bengali stuff as well, and then there's Hindi music, which is film and non-film both, and then there's in- this English pop R&B kind of stuff that I'm doing internationally. Mm. For me, it's never been, uh, you know, I-, I don't like limiting myself as an artist. I want to flow uh, with what I feel and how I feel in the moment, and this is what I'm feeling very strongly right now. And I've always dreamt of taking Indian artists and Indian music kind of like global because growing up I never had any uh, you know 
pop star idol mm. you know be like okay oh, yeah, this is the idol i have from india who's killing it globally we yeah. never had that yeah. i mean uh, right. there's of course uh, you know composers like rehman sir and ricky cage and mm. uh, you know all these people who have done stuff uh, and have received recognition uh, internationally but there's never been like uh, you know beyonce or justin bieber or lady gaga or whatever from india Correct. going on, on a global scenario of things and i was like why is that so why why is that not happening Yeah. If no one's doing it, I'm doing it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's my attitude. No, of course. And hats off to you for doing that. But Arman, what is next for you? Like you've done the whole billboard. You've reached Times Square. You've uh, collaborated with, you know, a K-pop artist. Where do you go from here? Like what what it, what do you want to do and what what are your goals? Uh, honestly, um uh, the thing is as soon as I achieve something huge and unbelievable the next day i'm back into my studio cook, cooking up something <laughs> new and want to do something bigger and better yeah. so for me it never stops i mean i i feel like i'm still on the journey i've just begun i i feel like um i feel like one part of my uh my career is kind of like phase is done mm-hmm. i feel like this is phase 2 in a way you know and the phase 1 was the whole bollywood yeah. thing yeah. Uh, the regional music which is definitely going to seep in into phase 2 as well yeah. but i see myself kind of doing stuff internationally globally uh, and just not limiting myself to just film music you know mm-hmm. as, as an artist i i feel like i'm I have so much in me that I want to say and and do mm-hmm. and uh for me there's always going to be something interesting to do next it's it's not it's not going to uh just be another single or another album or whatever it's it's always going to be something bigger and better than last time well so, uh i mean i have a lot of goals and aspirations i want to sell out madison square garden yeah, and the stadium now we're talking happen, so. now we're talking <laughs> <laughs> so i'm manifesting i'm manifesting all these amazing things uh for myself and uh, i'm working towards those dreams so uh, uh hopefully we get there soon well i have personally seen a lot of your dreams come true over the years arman and i just <laughs> keep hoping and keep praying that all your dreams keep coming true uh you're absolutely killing it i say this to you every time but honestly bowing down to you right now arman i just can't wait until you come here <laughs> and just perform so we can all go crazy all over again <laughs> i know i'm 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 actually planning i'm planning a show soon for london Ooh. i mean obviously um uh, it's it's just about timing right now it's, yeah. it's just to time the show right when everything is safe and yeah. you know everyone's healthy and they can attend a, a public concert yeah. uh, but i i i mean the first international spot that i really want to do a show in is definitely london yeah. i can't wait to be back <laughs> there with all the new songs that i've sung Uh, all these years that I've been away yeah so, uh, it's going to be amazing i can't wait to meet all my fans out there who Aww. now uh, you know have my english songs and pop songs in their uh, in, in their playlists as well so it's, it's going to be it, it's going to be such a trip you know from bollywood to uh, to pop music to everything in in between it's going to be amazing it so really is, is it is quite amazing arman i can't let you go without asking you what new songs have you got coming up there's so many that are coming out and uh, one's already actually uh, i don't know if you've heard kya kiya hai tune uh that's a song that just came out last week from broken broken yeah broken but beautiful i was talking about the song on the show yeah. yesterday actually uh, that's a lovely <laughs> yeah, so that's song yeah up. and yeah. there's another one coming which i'm really excited about which 
is uh, called Kya Yahi Pyar Hai, which is uh, uh, actually the remake of uh, the original by Kishore Da. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, so... Um that is something that I'm really looking forward to and it's Amal and me again. So, yeah, uh, best combination of, ever. <laughs> really look forward to that combo so uh, yes. I think it's it's going to be fire. I I can't wait for, to put put that out there. It's actually been 5 years in the making that song. Ooh. It's just it's it's coming out now. So I I'm so excited because it's it's completely different. You know when you talk about remakes and a lot of people actually have uh you know this thought about how remakes Uh, yeah. happening right now yeah uh, i myself also as an artist we got to a point where we like why is so many remakes happening yeah. and actually we had done this for like long back and it just didn't happen to release at that point mm-hmm. but the way that this has been remade you will you won't expect anything like you, you won't expect this kind of uh, tonality for the song so i'm i'm super excited for this song well the expectations are high since it is a malik brothers all over again i'm not going to lie so i can't wait to hear it do we have a release date for that as of yet um it, uh, all i can say is the release date is very soon okay <laughs> well i can't <laughs> wait for all. it and i'm sure we'll see it really really soon as well thank you arman thank you so much you look after yourself thank stay you. safe lots of love to the family and um plan that london show really soon you too take care lots of love yeah lots of love uh, very soon in london take lots care bye. bye 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 listen to our bollywood queen anushka aurora from 12 noon to 4 pm weekdays on sunrise The Bhangra Showdown with Amit Channa. I am joined. I had such a cool intro for you, buddy. Had a really cool intro talking about the fact that we are doing retro weekend here on Sunrise Radio, 70s, 80s and 90s. And although your career okay. is spanning 30 years, 3 decades, it not necessarily reflect on the 70s one, but I'm sure musically your musical journey started towards the tail end of 70s, right? Uh yeah, it did. Yeah. Well, my my uh, journey kind of started uh while I was still at school while I was finishing school mid 70s right right and uh, yeah I was really getting into music at that time with a, with a mate of mine and started singing he introduced me to a harmonium which I borrowed off him for a couple of days mm-hmm. and ended up keeping for two years <laughs> but uh, yeah that was my introduction and then uh, early 80s I met up with uh, Danny and Charlie yeah The D and the C from DCS. The D and the and, C from uh, DCS. And that is a classic story in itself, man. But then, obviously, what kind of music were you listening to in the mid-70s when your musical career started? Because you, obviously you've made a huge name in Punjabi music, but surely you weren't necessarily listening to Punjabi and Pagra music then. No, 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 no. I was, uh, I was into Bollywood. Right. Yeah. Big, I was a big-time Bollywood buff. Uh, my all-time hero, uh, which I, uh, a lot of people know, is Mohamed Rafi. Mm-hmm. Right and I've I've grown up listening to him all my life. My dad was a big Bollywood film buff and every weekend we'd be down in the cinema halls, you know, the whole family, my uncles would be there, my chachet, I everybody would be there, all the kids would be there. And we'd be eating samosa, eating crisps, drinking coke and watching two or three films on one ticket wow. back in the day, yeah, at the local cinema halls. And um I remember Ruffy's was the first voice I used to love the music in the films in the six, like sixties when I was a kid in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. And Ruffy was the guy. He was the main man for me all the time. He was the voice of the big stars uh, in the sixties and then in the seventies as well. You know, he he had some super hit tracks. 
And he's the guy that I followed all the time because he was just an amazing singer. Yeah. And um, I, I, I remember I used to hum, hum along to his songs when I was a kid. And believe it, I learned to speak Hindi and I learned to speak Punjabi, singing Punjabi as well, by listening to Rafi's songs, his wow. Punjabi songs. He's, such, he's got such a massive Punjabi repertoire as yeah, well, as is, you yeah. know. He has, and and what's really interesting because I know certainly I was introduced to you like musically as the band DCS, but over the years as I've got to know you and I've watched you outside of the kind of daytimers and the Bangladesh nightclubs that we used to go to, I've seen you perform so many times beautifully, acoustically more so that stimulates me the yeah. most when I watch you uh, is when you are singing Rafi Saab songs and Kishore da as well. Yeah, I know you go right across yeah. the board, but let's talk oh, yeah. about your first memories and introduction to Punjabi music then, as we know it. What was your your first memories of of that of Punjabi music well I'll tell you how we got into Punjabi music I'll tell you that story yeah okay uh, we had just finished making an album called DCS with Runa Lela which was our first um, disco pop album yeah. at the time because this Nazia Hassan was massive um, Kurba, the film Kurbani had a massive track in it mm-hmm. Everybody knew that. Everybody knew that. Massive hit all over. And uh, we had a we had a record deal with a uh, record company called EMI, gramophone company, right? They were based in Southall, on the outskirts of Southall at that time. And we had just finished recording this album with them, and we were in their offices, and it was an evening. And they said, "Well, do you want to do you want to come to a show with us tonight?" And we said, yeah, okay, why not? Let, yeah. let, let's go and see this show. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was it was in the London area somewhere, close close to Southall somewhere, in a, in a leisure centre, right? Right, right. And we went down there, and I remember there was me, Danny and Charlie, we went there with, with the guys from the record company. And w- there's a load of people all standing around uh, this leisure centre, right? And on stage, there's a band set up. There's no band on stage yet. Yeah. And uh, we're standing around and uh, everybody's having drinks and just chilling out. Then these guys come on stage, right? And most of them are wearing white clothes, mm-hmm. right? And there's this, this guy comes on stage in the middle, got a scarf around his neck, right? <laughs> no guessing who, who that would be, right? You know who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, it was a laugh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a laugh. Yeah. And it was just a new scarf around his neck. And I, I remember at that time couple of weddings I'd been to and Pabiani Pabia was a song that had just been released and it was yeah, becoming yeah. massive at that time and uh, we uh, we finally realised we were going to see a lot yeah. performer and believe me uh, I mean the first chord that they hit right the yeah. first note that they made all the people that were standing around just doing nothing yeah. were on the dance floor yeah, right yeah, yeah, and all yeah. the dance moves were coming out and all the, the backward bungalow dancing and everything you know <laughs> it was it was crazy. Everybody just went, let's go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, what the hell is going on? Me, Danny and Charlie just looking at each other's faces. Think, Whoa, what is going on, right? And that, that gig actually blew me away. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's the first time we were introduced to really hardcore Pangra in that form. Because yeah, yeah. the kind of Pangra I'd heard before was like very mellow down Bollywood style Pangra stuff, you know, yeah. by Ruffy and, you know, those filmy songs, which yeah. are not like your pure hardcore kind of in your face Pangra. Yeah. And that's the first time I heard it being played that way. Yeah. And uh, we were blown away. And on the drive home from London that night, we kind of made a decision in that car. We said, right, we're going to record a Pangra album. Wow. Right? And, uh, 
the next we got back in the, we got back to Birmingham. The next week, we were in the studio and recording a, a Bangla album. And what one, what was, album was that? Which, that was Thirty Song. Thirty Song, right? Because then you had Thirty Song, right? You had Red which Rose, you had Cricketer for the film and all that, and then of course DCS One Two Three Go was the seminal yeah. album that everyone kind of remembers, and that was yeah, my yeah. introduction to DCS. And in terms of those Bolia, yeah. that particular track that became Tenukol Kesharab with Pilama, all that kind of mayhem yeah, yeah. that started with that. And I have to say, yeah. Shibad, I'm probably the first. I've probably told you this in a drunken state before, but your band was <laughs> probably the first ever kind of Bangla band that I fanboyed on because even the, just a couple of weeks ago we were having a clean out and I found a DCS OU1 t-shirt and I have kept that t-shirt from data and I still remember when you gave me that t-shirt it was at Zenith Nightclub right. in Park Royal and you guys ah. had just performed and the album had just come out and I was with Sanj and Amit of course of Executive and Bad Company yeah, yeah, you gave yeah. me that t-shirt and I still have it it's a little bit yellow it's gone off white now but I've kept it and OU1 was another game changer album for me earlier just now I played Leja Pyar Nishani from Punjabi Dance Nation just fits into that yeah. 90s thingy I mean for you what's been your most seminal album in as the incarnation of DCS well I think it has to be one two three go really right uh, because we did like I said before that we did Teddy uh, Song and we did an album called um, Oh Natural yeah. right now these two albums were like kind of a, a, an experimental training ground for us yeah like our initiation we were learning the craft of Punjabi music right, right. what we did with one two three go was then we started to fuse a lot of our western influences that we had yeah. within the band within the members of the band into what we were doing so that album turned out to be a very like synthy kind of synthesized album with heavy rock guitars in it and electronic drum beats and stuff and we started messing around with reggae beats and yeah. pop beats and the U2 kind of guitar sounds that were around at that time yeah, yeah. and people loved it the, yeah. the fusion the kind of fused sound that we created and experimenting with the Bangla beats it, it just caught on, right? It just caught on with the, with the youth at that time, with the young generation. And people just loved the sound that we were making, you know, and they connected with it. And well, I remember when we... There was a gig at the Dome once. I think it, 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 wasn't one of, it wasn't one of the Pop Awards. There was another gig going on at the Dome Nightclub in Birmingham, which yeah. was the main venue. Know it well. And we had just recorded the Nukul Keshara, which we, it had not been released at that time. Yeah. And we spoke to the DJ at the t- uh, who was uh, on the desk at the time, and we, we just said, look, will you play this track? We just want to ex- experiment, see what kind of response it gets. And the DJ played the track. He announced it's the next DCS track coming out, right? And I remember the crowd going just absolutely crazy. What did he play and it on? We realised that... What did you hand him the, the track on? Was it a cassette? Did you hand it to him? It, was, a cassette? Cassette. it was No a cassette. way! Wow. Cassette tape. Yeah. <laughs> it was on a cassette tape. <laughs> and he just plugged it in, and he played it. And the crowd went wild. Yeah. And we realized at that time, we said, we're onto a special formula here. We've yeah. got a formula that's going to work yeah, yeah, yeah. with the sound that we're making and the kind of songs that we're going to record. Well, it's interesting you say that because around that time, of course, just after that album, you had albums and bands like Bardesi and Achanik and all that, that all synthesized their sound from that point. What were the bands yeah. that you used to love watching after or before you'd been on uh, Shinpaji? Were there bands around that time that you were like, you know what, I'm sticking around to watch so-and-so? Who were those? Yeah, you know, what I am a big fan of all the bands, right? Because they all have their unique sound, yeah. their unique style, right? And, the, and their own kind of music uh, signature, uh, which you don't get nowadays. No. You know, it's, I really miss that stuff, right? And the bands that really caught my interest were uh, 
bands like um, Set Alarm, for instance, they, yeah. they were such brilliant musicians. Everybody mm. knows that, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? The best musician in the industry. And bands like The Hoters yeah. really caught my interest as well mm. uh, because of their unique style. And they never shifted from that style, no matter what happened. They yeah. always had that reggae, ragga influence coming through in their music. They did. Uh, and then you got bands that experimented a lot, bands like the China, bands like the Bessie. Mm. You know, people who wanted to push the boundaries with the music and with the style of songs that, that they were producing, you know. And then obviously, you know, the bands like the Brembe Boys, bands like Apna Sangeet, who are just raw, raw, in your face. Yeah. They see Punjabi music, you know, and... I'm just a, I'm just a fan, a big fan of Bangla music and music in general, you know. And I'm the kind of guy who will stay to the end uh, until I've seen all the artists that yeah, are going to play I was and the perform. Same. Because I just love them all. You and me both, man. You and me both. And I think that's why we get on so well as well. Other than the fact that there's a, there's a beautiful amount of admiration that comes from me to you, just watching you as a musician yeah. and artist. I always loved watching you. I loved watching your band, people like Ranish and, uh, and Popsy and yeah. all those guys as well. Great band. DCS probably had one of the tightest yeah. bands uh, on the live circuit oh, yeah. at that time. Oh, yeah. um, it's really interesting. In the last 10 minutes, we've been through a journey of almost three decades already and, and I could go on talking to you forever. Uh, before yeah. I let you go, Shibazi, one of the reasons I wanted you to come on today is because we are in a retro weekend uh, and we are yeah. going through the 70s, 80s and 90s and we only have one Punjabi Pongara show on the station here at Sunrise and it's this one. And so I would love for you, if you could, to just give me a few lines... Um, of any song that you want to sing of DCS, just preferably one of your more mellow ones from the earlier days rather than more recent. A mellow one, right? Okay. I've got my budget here as well. So oh, wicked. I'm just going to grab my budget. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it. Yeah, we can hear it. Uh, this is a song that... Um, it, it, it was a an unplugged song that I did. Uh, on an album called uh, Punjabi Dance Nation. Yeah, it was with, uh, vocal and piano. Yeah. And it's a song called Labadil Te Janak. Yeah! Labadil Te Janak. Labadil Te Janak. Labadil Te Janak. Aje mukhiya na teriya judaiya, lavade utte janak ki, milya ki dasenu dil mera todke, ramade samandra che.
Join Amit Channa every Saturday from 4pm for the Bangla Showdown, playing you the finest in Punjabi and Bangla music from the past, present and future. This is Anila Dami on Sunday. Now let's take you through the paper review, the stories of the day as we do every week. And I am joined now by Ruth Cadbury, Labour MP for Brentford and Isleworth, and Tony Devnish, Conservative London Assembly Member for West Central. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Anila. Thank you very much for joining us and taking us through the stories. Uh, let's start with you, MP Cadbury, on uh, with your story from the Observer. Uh, well, the, the Observer is um, uh, covering the issue about whether Boris Johnson's uh, uh, chaos um, could hit the the June plan to lift lockdown, as um, reported in the Observer today. And we've been obsessing about June the 21st when all restrictions will be lifted. But um, Keir Starmer's very clearly warning that plans uh, to, to lift the restrictions could be put at real risk because of the incompetence and, and as he says, the civil war inside Johnson's government. Um, I've seen locally how that spun out because Hounslow uh, was announced by Matt Hancock um, as being an affected borough with a higher Mm. degree of infections in Parliament uh, on Wednesday of last week. And yet, even by the Monday, uh, we still haven't been told about the the travel restrictions, which had been slipped out in a website. Our council leaders, our directors of public health, have no idea what they're supposed to be doing in this higher status category. And there's just one local example of the incompetence, the lack of communication, um, when the reality is it's people on the ground, health service workers, council workers, who, who are trying to do their best to reduce infection and support communities during this COVID pandemic. Does, does Labour support the lifting of all restrictions on June 21st? Well, the, no, the restrictions should only be lifted if infection rates are down and if it's safe to do so. Mm. And I do wonder, I mean, Tony, I want to bring you in because do you think that actually Dominic Cummings's hearing has come perhaps a little too early or at the wrong time, you know, just before these restrictions are set to be lifted? And actually, it, perhaps it is causing chaos and there does need to be clear direction, which is what MP Cadbury is saying. No, I I, I don't. And I think the Guardian, obviously, the Observer, always takes the Labour Party line. Let's let's go back to basics. This has been a terrible time, not just for our country, but for the world. 
Many, many people have died, including over 128,000 people in our country. And we should start by paying tribute to the NHS. And Ruth is right on one thing. Local councils with the NHS and the community and our government have done a fantastic job. Of course, there has been problems. This is an unprecedented global pandemic. And you can look at any country and see there has been, uh, as the observer says, chaos. But I think that's the wrong word. The reality is a lot of work is being done and the NHS talk daily to government, as do local authorities and community groups. And we all want to get out of this pandemic as soon as possible. But I think the government's done the right thing in the responsible way they've dealt with this. And as in, as in, and in Jude, Mr Cummins, you know, that is a Westminster Village thing. I've just spent three months campaigning for the mayor on GLA elections, two months on the doorstep. Only one person mentioned Dominic Cummins. This is about actually although, more although more people might mention him now after the hearing because the GLA, you know, the campaigning was before the the, the hearing took place. So yes, I'm sure it will be on people's minds more, especially considering some of the allegations within that hearing. And even even let's take just very simply the lockdown. When we locked down on the 23rd of March, the World Health Organization had declared it a global pandemic a few weeks before that. So people can very much see that actually, you know, we locked down perhaps far too late considering the information the government had. Look, people, people will decide that themselves. There will be a full inquiry at the end of this. Obviously, the Observer and the Guardian are very partisan. They always want to put the wrong view about my government. But the reality is, this is about actually getting over this huge global crisis, which has still, you know, many weeks or many months to run in certain parts of the world. And in the UK, remember, we are ahead of the curve. It has been a great story in terms of the vaccination rollout. You know, 39 million people have had their first dose. 24 million pounds have had their second dose. I am hugely proud of what the NHS, local authorities and the government and community has done. But yes, there are lessons to learn and everybody's right to ask those. But I think Keir Starmer is being far too negative and I think his negativity is why the Labour Party is doing so badly in opinion polls and at elections. Well, talking of opinion polls, according to opinion research, The Conservative lead has dropped to 6% in the polls, so it's currently at 42% with Labour at 36%. Boris Johnson has gone from a plus 6% personal rating to a minus 6% and 44% of people think Matt Hancock should resign. What do you say to that? I say the only opinion polls that ever count are elections. We just had a set of elections across the country, the biggest set of elections since the general election. And my party, in most parts of the country, did far better than Ruth's party. But we should always listen to the great British public. And this government is always looking to do better, as is my party. Let's come to your next story in the Sunday Telegraph. This is fresh questions for Hancock over care homes. Look, the care home issue to do with COVID is close to all of our hearts. My own mother went into a care home literally a month before covid she spent our whole 90th year in a care home. So I and Neela are very sensitive to this kind of story. Mm. Look, it's similar, though, to the previous uh, story. The reality is people can pick out so-called facts and statistics and, and then try and make a political case. The reality is we need the full inquiry at the end of COVID 
these are the most vulnerable people in our society. And as, as I say, you know, not just my own mother, but friends, family, and the wider community I've been dealing with this as a local council and assembly member during the whole COVID period. So, you know, mm. I will reflect on what this says, but this is just a Sunday newspaper story. We need the full inquiry, and people can pick statistics out with hindsight, as Keir Starmer is, is nicknamed Captain Hindsight because he just does that all the time. But the reality is, clearly, our most vulnerable our number one concern. That's why Ruth and I went into politics. I want to come back to this story about this from the Sunday Telegraph about fresh questions from Hancock over care homes. And Tony, we were talking in this article, it says Mr Hancock insisted he had simply committed to delivering that testing when we could do it on the basis that the government was unable to carry out sufficient numbers of tests at the time, but the guidance fails even to recommend the use of tests in hospitals where they were available. There's been this kind of fine line between the fact that Matt Hancock had proposed this, you know, or set and said it and committed to it, but actually it wasn't policy and therefore he hasn't done anything wrong. I think the issue is that March of last year, we forget, is an awful long time ago. A huge amount has been done by our NHS, by local authorities, by the community and by the government since then. With hindsight, of course, we can say we could have done better on X issue or Y issue. I haven't got the facts in front of me any more than you have, but there will be a national inquiry. The Prime Minister has already agreed there will be a full inquiry on every aspect of COVID at the end of COVID. You know, a newspaper front page on a Sunday is just that. It's chip paper for tomorrow. Uh, I haven't got anything else I can really add other than clearly... Uh, although, although, look, although the the reason we have programmes like this and to talk through these stories is that people can be informed and they know what's going on, they know what's being said, some things might be reports. This is, you know, some things are quotes directly from the ministers. But people, even though, you know, they might not be talking about it and it's all a hindsight or accusations, allegations or whatever... People have a right to know about what's going on and to feel informed. And when that inquiry does come, they actually know what's been happening in the process of that and in the build up to it. Well, of course, absolutely. We want to, you know, I'm, I'm a great believer in a free press. All I'm saying is we haven't got all the facts. This is just a newspaper report on a Sunday. We don't have the names people. It's, it's as often it is in these stories, it's, it's people saying things completely out of context. Tony, so I have, Tony, I, I have what, no idea. Let's, let's, take the politic, let's take the politics out of it, because you said about your mother in the care home. Something like that, when you heard that, what did you think? Because, yeah, fine, you don't know the facts, but what was the initial feeling? Well, the, the, the feeling is the feeling that I think we've all had in society in our communities for the last year and a quarter, which is we need to do the best to protect the most vulnerable. You know, a, a lot of people have died. A lot of families are grieving. We, absolutely. It is a, you know, all, all we need to do must be done. And I believe the NHS has done a fantastic job. Clearly, as I said earlier, uh, mistakes and in hindsight, things may have been done differently. But this is a global pandemic. There's no country that anybody can point to and say they did it perfectly. Um, and the reality is our care homes must always, as our NHS as a whole, must always be our first priority. And I know it's this government's priority. 
Abdullah's messaged him from Wimslow and has said he thinks the government imposed lockdown too late last year, but the most vital mistake was not closing the UK's borders. He says this is a mistake the government keep making as we're now seeing a rise in the Indian variant cases. He also says he was shocked by the protest yesterday and jeopardising the reopening on June the 21st. Uh, Abdullah, thank you for messaging in. Tony, I guess, do you want to respond to that? Yes, look, I mean, I think the difference between actually our part of the country, actually central and west London, and many other parts of the country is we all have pretty much family and friends, very close family and friends that live overseas. So just to say close the borders um, would absolutely, for some family, it would be absolutely catastrophic. So it's, it's about, obviously, a balancing act. And I think the Home Secretary, Priti Patel, has done that quite well during the crisis. Of course, people will say we should have shut the borders three or four days earlier or for X, just like your point earlier in terms of what we should be doing about care homes. The reality is these are judgments and medical professionals, those in the COVID team, the NHS, are very much central to the decisions that ultimately government ministers have been making. Thank you for responding to uh, our listener, Abdullah. Cam from Birmingham says that she disagrees with Ruth and wants the June reopening to go ahead as planned. She says people need to get back to work to be able to support themselves. MP Cadbury, what do you say to that? Well, let's remember what the primary purpose of lockdowns and restrictions is, and that's to protect the NHS in order to be able to support us, whether uh, we've got COVID or whether we've got other illnesses and health and health needs. So uh, if, if infection rates start rising again, <clears throat> the NHS won't be able to cope again. And, and how, how many million uh, people are waiting for uh, urgent operations uh, and and cannot afford yet another lockdown. So um, I, I don't want us uh, to go to go back to lockdown. Obviously mm. not. But if it's to protect our our health as a country, then we have to do that. And I that this flip flopping uh, by government, this this balancing act that Tony mentions. Uh, the trouble is, this our government can't decide uh, whether it wants to be uh, strict and. Um, competent over managing the pandemic or not. And the UK infection rate is one of the highest in the world. Uh, And other countries have managed the pandemic much better. Clear decision making, clear communications, uh, uh, population buy-in. Which country, Ruth? and actually, can I just finish? Actually, most most of the uh, British population, the majority do support uh, uh, levels of restrictions where they are rational and properly informed. So if, if in the long term we are healthier, of course, we've been luckier than most other countries with the rollout of the vaccination programme. And that's probably the one element of this of the government's response to this pandemic ha- that has worked properly, mainly because it's been delivered by the NHS uh, and and has been properly uh, properly using uh, lo- lo- you know the local organizations local councils um, and the community but uh, if I, you look at countries that have had very very strict border policies but have had virtually no change of the, their way of life and the the obvious examples being Australia and New Zealand children haven't missed school in those countries um, businesses haven't uh, haven't suffered because they haven't had to be closed down now 
it's it's a moot point whether the UK, although we're an island, uh, whether we could have a stricter border policy. But many of my constituents work at Heathrow. They have had to work in environments which are, I would say, um, super super spreading places, overcrowded arrival halls with uh, people from red list countries in the same arrivals halls as those from amber and green countries, long, long queues in poorly ventilated rooms and the quarantine hotels, which are appallingly badly managed in the UK compared with quarantine hotels in, in, in other countries and I know of infections rising among uh, those who are quarantined but also those who are work who work in those hotels again poorly managed poor communication l- lack of clear decision making and t- uh, much of that decision making too late I mean Tony I'll let you respond I think the issue is that Keir Starmer's Labour Party haven't got any answers it's negativity 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 for Ruth to say that we've been lucky with the vaccination rollout is frankly disgraceful. The reality is the NHS professionals and government and local authorities have done a fantastic job. It's not lucky. It's about huge amounts of work by people that live in her constituency and mine and people right across this country. It's been an amazing achievement for all of those involved. That's not a political point. That is a point that most people absolutely agree with. I'll bring MP Cabrian. If the test and trace co- programme had been run as competently as the vaccine programme, we wouldn't have had so many deaths of COVID. I think, you know, that again is a disgraceful comment, really. The reality is, it's hindsight again. And I in no way, you know, play down any of the deaths. It's been a terrible period for everybody in this country and globally. But the reality is, as I've said before, I think that Together, the RNHS has done a brilliant job. This is not a party political point. I think they've done a fantastic job. And yes, there are lessons to be learned on test and trace and many other elements. But for Ruth to just be throwing political footballs at a time when we're still in COVID, people are still losing their life. And we need to get over this crisis by working together. And we want a responsible opposition. And the Labour Party, I'm afraid, actually, it's Mr Keir Starmer has been irresponsible. Local authority Labour councils have been very good. In what way? Keir Starmer has been raising concerns about many of these issues from the beginning. I mean, the the rise back in May... He was he, last year. He was raising concerns about the rise of infections in care homes. In September, uh, Shadow Minister Liz Kendall wrote wrote to the government about the the second uh, peak uh, of of deaths in in care homes. I mean, you, if you actually check out all of these uh, issues, you will find that Keir Starmer and Labour shadow ministers have been again and again raising these points at the beginning in Parliament. I do have a message, Tony, for you from our listener Manoha from London, who disagrees with your hindsight argument. He says the UK had two months to prepare for the pandemic and lots of obvious mistakes have been made that cost lives, such as not testing people released from hospitals back into care homes. What do you say to that? Look, as I said, as I said a couple of times, we must think uh, about those that have died and their families and friends. And I in no way are underplaying what has happened. It has been a terrible time in this country and across the world. And of course, those issues that your listener uh, mentions will be, of course, front and centre of the review, the inquiry at the end of this. 
But I remember very well myself that really, even in March, you know, people didn't realise what was coming. Uh, they really didn't. And I don't, I've spoken to people from the top of government right through to the NHS and others. And, you know, these issues will be looked at very, very carefully, quite rightly. Um, but I do disagree with the greatest respect to your listener. Uh, thanks for responding. Well, and I'm and, afraid I disagree with Tony. I mean, I remember that time. Uh, I remember um, I've got I had family uh, uh, in different countries, thinking, are they going to come home? What, watching what was happening in different countries, thinking, what, what why aren't we locking down? Um, uh, we, you know, why is the Cheltenham Festival uh, going ahead? You know, we could see what was what other the decisions other countries were were making. We could see the rise in infections back then, and we 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 locked down two three weeks too late. And of course, there were. I mean, I've been working on this story since the January when the first case was reported, uh, and in in China. So. Uh, I mean, I, I'm very much aware that it was the, the alarm bells were being raised. And it does raise a question about the World Health Organization. I'm jumping stories a bit because we've only actually got a few minutes left. And in the Sunday Times, this story about Wuhan lab leak is feasible, say British spies. So um, intelligence fears grow of Chinese cover up. British Asian agents now believe it is feasible that the global pandemic began with a coronavirus leak from a Chinese research laboratory at first. First, they thought there was a remote chance of it. Now they've reassessed and think it's feasible, uh, according to sources who have revealed this. And I, I just wonder, because obviously it has been looked into, the World Health Organization, you know, officials went to, to Wuhan, they assessed it, nothing really became of that. The G7 summit's coming up. I just want to get your views on whether you think that in that summit there needs to be some kind of a push for perhaps to hold the World Health Organization to account or some kind of international body where the alarm bells are raised much quicker than they were in this case. Uh, well, can I come in first, Anila? I, okay. I, I, I would agree with what you said there, but I would like to say something on the wider context, please. I do worry that we're going into a bit of a Cold War at the moment, both with China and with Russia and with Iran. And the reality is, this is a report. Remember, the last Labour government had the famous dodgy dossier with Alistair Campbell on the Iraq war. What intelligence sources say is just that. It is something, again, with the respect reported in a newspaper. So I do think we need to watch how China is behaving in many of the things they're doing aggressively. MP Cadbury, I'll bring you in. Can I just, yeah, can I just on, say, on. we don't want to in any way be spreading things that could turn into racism in our own society against people of, of Chinese origin, for example. We've got to be very, very careful and sensitive. Okay. This is just yeah. a report. MP Cabri, I'll bring you in. We've got about 30 seconds. Well, I, I, obviously, I think this does uh, warrant international in, investigation. But what we've all become virologists in, in, in the last 15 months. <laughs> and what we do know about uh, the way viruses spread among human population, whatever the source, we are at risk of pandemics. And we know about SARS and Ebola mm. and so on. And the, uh, the UK had the second best uh, pandemic uh, contingency plan of any in the world. Uh, and yet our government seemed to have ignored it uh, as soon as infections started raising, rising in this country early last year. And, you know, whatever the source 
of the of covid uh, we could have and we should have and we were ready to respond a lot better than in fact we did in the uk thank you both for your time this morning we've come to the end of the this hour and uh, the paper review thank you very much for for thank your, you, for getting involved thank you very much Tune in every Sunday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon, for Anila Dami on Sunday, giving the British Asian community a voice on the matters of the day. You're tuned to the Love Lounge with the Love Doctor. I have got someone incredible lined up on the phone. Uh, we're going to get flirty at 8.30. In fact, let's do it right now. all singles are you ready to get flirty at 8 30 message the studio now and let the love doctor of sunrise help you find love and we have someone on the phone right now is uh, she's called it i nearly just called you it <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry i meant to say she's called nikita how you doing my lovely I don't mind it. <laughs> I think some people might get nightmares, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I don't think I've ever called anyone it before. But uh, this is a fu- there's always a first. How rude! <laughs> I know, I know, right? Sh- oh, wait, I'm just going to slap my wrist. There you go, <laughs> on your oh, behalf. Good, oh, good, good. So, how are you today, Alex? I'm. Oh, are you interviewing me? That's as good. I don't mind. I could be. I could be the interviewee. I'm very well, thank you. Shall I get flirty at eight <laughs> thirty? Listen, it's lovely to have you here, Nikita. Where, tell everyone where you're from. I'm from Wembley in London. Oh, my old hood as well. I used to live in Wembley. And uh, oh, how, yeah. how long have you been there? Since birth. Since Born birth. Born and bred. Born yeah. and bred in Wembley. Nice. I like it. Well, listen, right. We're we're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> how this is going to work is we're going to ask you some very simple questions to get to know you better. Be as flirty as you want. And we're going to put the word out there and see if there's any gentleman out there listening in who think, hmm, she sounds kind of nice. I'll get in touch. And who oh, knows? Wow. You nice. could be, Nikita, Nikita <laughs> just think about it this way. You could be our first sunrise wedding how cool would that be to have the love doctor as your wedding celebrant you know handing you off and doing you know the whole like you know do you take the nikita to be your lawfully wedded what etc etc how cool would that would that be the best thing ever That, w- that would actually be a scene to, to be seen. Uh, abso- so, yes. Absolutely. Listen, so we're going to try and make that happen. So I'm going to ask you a few simple questions. Before I delve into the deeper ones, just wanted to quickly ask you, you don't have to tell everyone your age, but I would love to know the age of the person you're interested in or age range. Okay, well, I'm 31. I don't care. You know, my age is my age. Brilliant. That's what I love. I love to hear that. Exactly. But anyone between, let's say, say... Let's go a bit younger, so between 30 to 40. Okay, 30 to 40, that's a good range. I like that. Well, I want to ask you some bit more personal questions, right? So first thing I wanted to ask you was, um, tell us about the kind of person who would be your soulmate. So tell us about some of their qualities, what they would do, how they would treat you. We want to know everything that it would take for someone to be your soulmate. Do you know what? Um, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a chilled person. I, I go along with the flow, but... My kind of person is, you know what, no drama, don't need the drama, leave that behind where you, you know, where you come from before, just drama free, you know, have the chilled attitude, you know, be family orientated because, you know, I'm all about my family, be able to mix in different crowds because I'm a kind of person that I've always, I've been in 
from school to university to doing events to everything that I've done. I've, I've always had different crowds and I've maintained those different friend circles. So someone who'll be able to blend in in all, not necessarily have to attend every social event because even I don't do that anymore myself. <laughs> As we get older, right? We just stop doing exactly. that more as much. But yeah, just, just someone who's traditional but has a modern outlook towards life, you know. I don't want none of this like, oh, my wife can't do this after we get married, you know. Oh, no, no, she can't go out. She can't have male friends. No, none of that. Because <laughs> so, I'm the same as well. Because you know what, like, oh, in, in my past relationships, the people I've been with, like, I've been very open about um, uh, um, my exes or whoever you, however you want to call them, having female friends. And I think it, it's healthy to have males and females to have opposite sex, um, uh, which people as friends, you know, it's, well said. I think that's very true and very uh, that for me hearing you say that it means you've got a very good head on your shoulders and I think that's such uh, pragmatic relationship advice to anyone as well including yourself. So I say here here to that as well. Well done you Nikita for doing uh-huh. that and having that kind of attitude. So gentlemen take note that you will have as many female friends as you like. No I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> right. Second second question about yourself. Okay. So tell us one yeah. fun quirky thing about yourself that not many people know know about you um yeah maybe something you've never done before you've always wanted to do or something you have done that you've not told many people about oh lord of mercy do you know what um it's not i've I've never ridden a bike before and i really want to do it (laughs) but it's just like every time it comes around to it it's just like "Eh, maybe next summer so oh my I'm God. hoping to do it one day. It's not a fun, quirky thing, but it's something about me. But uh, a lot of people find it funny because they're like, you've never ridden a bike before? I'm like, no. Are you I talking really about haven't... a pedal bicycle? And, and Yes. I've had, like, when I was a child, I had ridden one with uh, what's those little stabilizers, but... Not, not a two wheeler ever. Well, do you know what? This, do you know what's really cool about this, right? One, I think this is that such a romantic. Really someone, yeah. you know, someone could teach me how to ride a bike. Exactly. <laughs> this is. I think this is quite a romantic thing, but also as well the memory aspect because you know how they say you never forget when you first learn to ride a bike, right? So that yeah. will be a special memory as well. If you do that with someone who's someone who teaches you, just imagine that memory that you'll have that you'll cement into your life that you know your partner would have taught you how to ride a bike. How cool is that? I think that's really sweet, actually. Exactly. I'm, I think that could be the making of like something very special, like you know Bollywood, um, Bollywood esque style, you know, like you know Dilvale style kind of you know level of romanticism. Can you, can you imagine like a double? What's it called? What's the double bike for? Like the the ones that are joined together. Oh yes, uh, I forgot. Oh, hang on a minute. The, the word's going to come to me as well. Um, it'll come to me in a minute when I stop thinking about it. But I know exactly what you mean. A tandem. Yeah. That's it. That's it. A tandem. That's it. Yeah. 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 What are those ones? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've done that with a, with a partner who could never ride a bike before as well. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. All right, two quick, two two more questions, which we're going to just kind of find out a little bit more about you. Totally yeah. random, but we'll just give some idea about you. So, your date wants to pick a movie uh, for you to both yeah. go and see. What kind of movie choice would make you happy? Would it be sort of more like maybe Top Gun, Marvel? Would it be something more romantic side of things? You know what? Um, I'm, I'm completely because I think um, I got over the whole romantic phase in the whole Christmas time because you know it's my whole snuggle season and everything. So um, I'm totally up for any kind of Marvel film. I think um, uh, what do you call it? Action packed and you know anything with a good storyline. To be honest, so do you know actually anything with a good storyline? I'm down for you know 
Sounds sounds good to me. There you go, lads. A lady who would be up to watch a Marvel film as much as anything with a good story. I love it. Okay, last question for you, Nikita. Are you ready? Go for it. Okay, so then you're at a movie and your date decides to go buy you some ice cream and he says, I'm going to surprise you. What ice cream combination would he have to come back with for you to go, oh my God, I love you? Oh, I don't have my... Oh, God. You know what? Um... I'd pretty much be happy with anything, but, but, if he got me, oh God, like a Ben and Jerry's, like, cookie dough ice cream with, with hot fudge sauce and um, whipped cream on top, dude, like, that's, that's the way to my heart, like, like, <laughs> diabetes in the bowl, but hey, that's the way to my heart, you know, a good balance of, like, sweet, hot, cold, and a bit of, you know, everyone has a bit of cream anyway, but yeah. Nice. I like yeah. it. I like it. Oh, that's so good. And to be honest as well, Ben and Jerry's even do like a vegan cookie dough and it is absolutely yes, delicious. I love it. I love yeah. it. You know what? I thought that as well, because I thought that, you know what? Um, it might not taste as good because, you know, because not all um, Jerry substitutes are good. Uh, uh, what it could taste wise, but I was actually quite surprised and very happy with it as well. So yeah. Ah, oh, that's really cool. I like that. I like that. Well, listen, we have you sorted right now as well because we found out everything <laughs> we need to know for for uh, about you. And so I'm going to say to the gentleman out there, if you like the sound of Nikita, she's looking for a lovely kind of traditional man with a modern outlook up to about 30 30 to 40 um who would be happy watching marvel movies in the cinema with her and if you bought her some cookie dough ben and jerry's she would be putty in your hands gentlemen uh if you like the sound of that i want you to drop me a whatsapp right now 0795 700 272 and i could put you two in touch and who knows you could be our first sunrise wedding wouldn't that just be awesome nikita that would be amazing. Yeah, I will definitely you be. Sit on my head table. Yeah, I, I would be your hitch, wouldn't I? You know, I'd have like a picture of you guys you on my wall, and just I you would be. Would. Yeah. I could have. I could have a stand especially for you. You know, like <laughs> just, just for you to like, you know, give out your cards and everything. You know, uh, but like, dude, they did. If they if they can get me, bro, they can get anyone. absolutely absolutely right but you have been absolutely awesome you've been listening to flirty at 8 30 it is time for the couples challenge i have an amazing couple who are going to be joining me right this second as well because we're going to do the couples challenge how well do you know your partner it's time for the couples game how well do you know your partner welcome pritika and suresh how are you guys doing Good, good, good. Thank you. Excellent. Are you both there, by the way? Uh, no, my picture has just gone out of the room. Oh. But she's here. One second. Yeah, I'll do <laughs> I think she, she may Hi, have... Amid, there you go. Okay, well, let me just reiterate. Both of you stay together for now, and then we'll decide who leaves the room, okay? So you just stay there. Okay. <laughs> anyway, how are it's you guys? Outside the room. Oh, and you were waiting outside a little while ago. Where as well, weren't you? <laughs> no, I went to a beer cupboard. Oh, did you? Pick up a beer. <laughs> Nice, I like as it. You do. As you do as well. A bit of Dutch courage, is that what it is, Suresh? That's what it is, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Hey, listen, tell us a little bit about yourselves. When did you, because you, you guys have been together for 25 years, as I understand it. Yeah, 25 years, man. How um, have you survived, Suresh? Tell me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Really, nah. We've had a fantastic marriage. You know, we've had everything what I wanted in my marriage so far. Brilliant. Two kids, excellent. And um, we've survived many ups and downs, 
my parents were with me up until about 10 years ago and I've lost both my parents but you know they gave me the asiwad and everything for a good happy marriage and I've got the best wife ever oh that, that is just so sweet and what a gentleman you are my friend and by the way wait like how did you guys meet them was it like a kind of like a, a university romance what was it we met in India nice okay cool came over and he came over and dropped some parcels and I was there and we just clicked. No way. Are you serious? That's like from a Bollywood film. Are you serious? That's it. Yeah, that was a Bollywood film. Oh my God, how cool is that? What an amazing story. That is brilliant. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, 25 years. I think you guys yeah. probably know each other pretty well by now. Uh, but what we're going to do, how this works is one only one of you will end up leaving the room and we're going to ask the other person five questions. Then we call the other person back and see if they can get the answers their partner gave. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the question is, who's got the hard task and who's going to be the one leaving the room? I'll leave the room. Are you sure? So I want to know. All right. Okay, cool. You want to see how well you know your partner? Okay, cool. So that means, right, Suresh, because it's your birthday, yeah. by the way, as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Happy birthday, my friend. How old are you, if you don't uh, mind me asking? 54. You don't sound it, my friend, <laughs> at thank all. You, thank you. you sound like a young whippersnapper, way younger than me. <laughs> I love it. Okay, then. So, Pritika, whenever you're ready, leave the room, and then I will be asking. Like I said, Suresh, five questions. So just, Suresh, let me know when she's out of the room. Uh, yep, she's out okay. of the room now. All right, brilliant. And she cannot hear you, right? Nope. All right, cool, perfect. So five questions for you. Very simple, very easy ones. It's not going to be that difficult, but here we go. First question is, what is your favourite naughty go-to snack? My naughty go-to snack would be a chocolate bounty oh nice do you know what i'm a vegan right and they just made a chocolate vegan bounty as well i taste so oh. but the, the the other one that's much nicer is the topic so tasty anyway chocolate bounty good choice though my wife would agree with you on that one she loves her <laughs> she loves her bounties too all right question number two uh would you right now obviously i'm guessing it's going to be the latter but just curious right would you rather right if uh, on the spur of the moment a night on the town or a movie indoors, uh, just a relaxing evening on the couch. What do you prefer? A relaxing evening on the couch any day. Oh, me too. Me too, my friend. I agree with you, especially after I hit my 40s, definitely. Oh, that was the truth. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three. Uh, I want you to tell me one thing that's on your bucket list or like at the top of your bucket list or very close to the top that you haven't done yet, but you really want to do. I want to go and see Mauritius. Oh, do you know what? That's where my wife and I went for our honeymoon, and you will absolutely love it, my friend. Uh, right, Mauritius, when you do decide to go, give us a shout. I'll tell you all the cool places we visited, and you will absolutely yeah, love it. Definitely. As soon as uh, COVID, oh. we'll definitely make a trip there i think i love it i love it um so you've mentioned a place in the in the world already but i'm going to ask you a second question in relation to this right so where's another place in the world that you've yet to go that you would definitely love to next visit cuba Ooh, i like it i like it it's one i've never <laughs> been to as well great answer yeah. my friend and then last but not least your favorite movie of all time now it could be hollywood could be bollywood could be otherwise what would you put say is at the top of your list Ah, oh, classic, <laughs> all-time classic. I love it. I love it. How how well do you think um uh, Pratika's going to do at this? By the way, do okay. I think uh, he'll get two or three definitely. <laughs> two or three. All right. Let's do it then. Let's see. Let's see how well she does. All right. So uh, we are going to get get her back into the room. Let's see. Let's see how she does it.
how well she does, should I say? All right, no ways. Yeah. All right, you can come back. All right, well, while we wait for anyway. Uh, you're listening to Sunrise Radio. This is the Sunrise Retro Weekend, and you're tuned to the Love Lounge. And we've got Pritika back on the phone as well. So I asked your lovely husband Suresh, whose birthday is today. Happy birthday, Suresh! Uh, five questions, and you've got to try and guess his answers. Are you ready, Pritika? Yeah, I'm ready. And right. my name is Pratiksha, by the way. Oh, is it Pratiksha? I'm so sorry. Hold on, wait. Let me let me just write. Okay, hold on. Wait, wait. I should have said it from right. Pratiksha. There we go. There we go. Pratiksha, there's a K. Pratiksha, right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I apologize, okay. Pratiksha, but, uh, you know, Pratiksha sounds pretty cool anyway. Uh, right. Let's go. Okay, you can no, I'm kidding. Me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, Pratiksha. Let's, let's do it. Question number one I asked to uh, your lovely husband, Suresh. I said, what is his favorite yeah. naughty go-to snack? You know, like when he just got to have a perfect nibble on something, when he's just in that naughty, lazy mood, what would he normally chew, like eat and chew on? Chew on from cupboard. Naughty is like a chocolate. Uh, any particular kind? Chocolate. His favorite is a bounty with coconut, which is coconut in it. Yep, cool. All right, no worries. I'm, I'm going to give you the answers later, by the way, so we're not going to confirm Both yet. If you got it, yeah. <laughs> we're going to confirm later whether you got it right or wrong. So question number two. Now, would he, I asked him, I said, would you rather a night in or like watching a movie or painting the town red? Uh, what do you think he said? It's not good at DIY, so it's not that. <laughs> oh, no, like like a night in watching a movie or something rather than going out partying. Mm, no, he lies on the sofa. And he lies, <laughs> he lies he on lies. the sofa. Being specific. <laughs> Lads, we can always rely on the woman to give the truth. And when we when we pick it up and say something there, you know, to mellow it out, they will always tell the truth. Anyway, okay, question number three. Poor you, Suresh. Um, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, question number three. Uh, so I asked uh, Suresh to name one thing that was on his bucket list or at the very top of his bucket list. What do you think he said? Uh, holiday? Any particular uh, location? Yeah, any particular location. Uh, we've been to Thailand so many times, so maybe Mauritius. Okay, no worries. Oh. We'll, uh, we'll accept that answer and then we'll go on to the next question. Uh, question number four, I asked him as well to mention one other place in the world that he's yet to visit um, that he would love to go next. What do you think he said? India. Do you say India. No, Kenya. Oh, Kenya. His okay. Birthplace. Oh, yeah. Kenya, his birthplace. All right, cool. No problem at all. And we're on to question five. Last but not least, I asked him to name his favorite movie of all time, Hollywood, Bollywood, or otherwise. What do you think he said? He must say Shole, because when he was Shole, can't watch anything else. Oh, bless no, you. Yeah. Okay, that's. Or Hollywood gold. Yeah. No, that's okay. You've given an answer, which is perfect. Don't worry. So we're going to... Let me just quickly just tot up the score as well. But let me ask you before I reveal, um, Pratiksha, and I said it right this time, how well do you think you've done? Mm, I don't know. Maybe 75%. 80% would be four out of five, right? So so let let, let me just tot up the scores. This is quite complex math. I need to get out my incredibly powerful computer to work this out, calculate the scores. Okay, let's do a drum roll. You scored. Are you ready for this? Yes. You scored. Four out of five. That's not bad at all, I have to say. 
that is very good. I think basically, <laughs> did I go wrong? You could, we could say that you know your partner very well. You did well because you got the first one right. Oh my Chocolate God, bounty. That's scary. <laughs> Night in, you said correct. Uh, bucket list, yeah. you said Mauritius. The one that you yeah. got wrong, which is that he said for the next destination, he said Cuba, and you said Kenya. Nice, yeah, and of course you got a chalet correct as well. (laughs) Yeah, so the question is, how is um, how is um, Suresh going to kind of show you his love for getting four out of five for him? Now, what is he going to do for you? He has to take me Cuba. I love. That's brilliant. I love it. I love it. Oh my God, Suresh, what have you done? That's it. I know where to go now. Exactly, exactly. Well done to you guys. Honestly, that was absolutely brilliant. We're going to add this to the podcast as well later this week as well. How did you find that? Was that good fun? Oh, very good fun. Thank you. And would you recommend... Oh, brilliant. You're a superstar. And would you recommend to anyone else to take part in the couples challenge? Just tell everyone, the world out there, how much you guys, both of you have enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll advertise on my WhatsApp booth. Don't worry. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> Listen, absolutely. Big well done to you both. Thank you for taking part. Once again, Suresh, a very happy birthday to you, my friend, as well. You guys sound so young, so energetic for a couple that have been together so long. And actually, I just wanted to say on that note, one last piece of wisdom from you both for 25 years of happily being together. What would you say to everyone out there? Thank you. Patience. <laughs> and don't agree anything what they say <laughs> <laughs> there you go thank you again to Pratiksha and I was calling her Pratika the whole time as well how silly of me Pratiksha and Suresh you guys are absolute superstars thank you so much for taking part but you've been listening to the Love Lounge with the Love Doctor doing the couples challenge how well do you know your partner catch our love guru Amit Soda between 7pm and 10pm every Sunday for that chill out zone.